Well, it's December and all thoughts turn to Christmas. And we turn today to the beginnings of the story of Jesus that we've been following through in this portrait series. But if we really want to start at the beginning, we're in trouble because there is no beginning. Wait, it all began on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, didn't it? Nope. This story is so much bigger than the cute little baby in a manger. Over the next two weeks, Rick and I are going to talk about the two big rocks of the identity of Jesus Christ. His divinity, that's his identity as God, and his humanity. And we cannot fully grasp the whole story unless we grasp these two incredible truths. So today I tackle the divinity of Jesus. So I've called my portrait the cosmic Christ. And we are going right back to John chapter 1, which is really the prelude to the stories that John writes about Jesus. Because in this first chapter, John is painting an unbelievable portrait, so different from the merciful, joyful, challenging, righteous, abundant Jesus that we've seen so far in this journey through John. It's almost as if he's talking about a different character. So let's read these verses from John 1. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then jumping down to verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Okay, well, today we need to do some theology and unpack some truths. Are you ready? You'll often hear us talk about Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, Christ is not Jesus' surname. His father, Joseph, was not Joseph Christ. Jesus was the earthly name that was given to him, and it was quite a common one in those times, like Will or David is now. But Christ was a title and a very precious one reserved for the anointed one, the Messiah, And this was a promise that was written about hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The Old Testament prophets spoke of the one, the one who would come to save his people. So we really should refer to to Jesus as Jesus the Christ, the one that the world has been waiting for. 
This is the reason I said there were two big rocks to the identity of Jesus. Jesus is the personal name of the Christ when he became human. John is telling us that the Jesus story did not begin at Christmas. He existed before the world was created. He created the world. He is God. Now, Let's, let's read some of those verses from John 1 again in the Marcy Revised Standard Version, making it a bit clearer what John is saying. In the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. In Christ was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Just a little side comment here. It's so interesting to see that John is echoing the verses from the creation account from Genesis uh, chapter 1, the first book in the Bible, which says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So let's go back. Keep reading the Marcy Standard Version. Christ was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Christ became flesh and made his dwelling among us. No one has ever seen God, but Christ, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, can you imagine for a moment how this would have sounded to the people who had actually seen Jesus, the human teacher, the people who sat on the hillsides and and listened to him day after day, the people who watched while he was crucified on a Roman cross. John is saying that this man, as amazing as he was, was the one who created the universe with just a thought. Now, why did they not throw this book of John's into the rubbish and declare him a lunatic? Because these same people had also witnessed something with their own eyes, which was beyond the realm of human possibilities. They had seen the crucified Jesus alive again. They were so aware that something miraculous had happened, that Jesus was no ordinary human being, that God himself was involved in the historical events that they had witnessed. And this is why Christmas and Easter are so intimately connected. The miracle of the resurrection caused the disciples to look back at the life of Jesus and ask, well, where did this miraculous man come from? And John writes about the God who became flesh, who came to earth as a baby. You know, this section of scripture was so venerated by the church in its early history that this this passage was sometimes written on paper and folded up and worn in an amulet because they believed it could 
it could ward off disease and evil spirits. And the Roman church actually read it over the sick and the newly baptised. Why is it so important? This section of scripture sets up six of the most important things that we believe about Jesus Christ. His divinity, his humanity, his pre-existence, his incarnation, his revelation and his ultimate purpose. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about these things and if we can get our minds around them, we actually have the absolute essence of the Christian faith. So let's begin with his divinity. What we're saying is Jesus Christ is God. As it said, in the beginning was Christ and Christ was with God and Christ was God. You know, there's a whole mystery here to our Trinitarian God who is three persons in one. But I don't have time to unpack that today. But Jesus Christ was not merely aligned with God or taught us about God. He is God. And this is absolutely unique in the Christian faith. You know, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, they never claimed to be God. Jesus never said he was God's messenger. He said he was God. So we have his divinity. We also have his humanity. Jesus Christ was human. It says Christ became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ was fully God, but he was also fully human. He ate, he slept, he wept, he got tired, he got hungry, he felt pain, he bled, he died. This is a mystery that I can't get my head around. Fully God, but fully human? I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I actually cannot explain all the mysteries of our God. If I could, he would be far too small for what I need. We need a God of these two extremes. We need a God as intimate as our feeble cries for help and yet as big as our ever-expanding universe. We need a God who cares that I've lost my job and cares about what humanity is doing to the planet he created. Jesus is not merely a nice add-on to an already beautiful world. He is the creator of that world. It was his idea. Try and get your head around that one. There is also his pre-existence. In other words, before time even existed, Christ was. It says in John, Christ was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Now, there's a wonderful picture of this later on in John. It's uh, uh, towards the end of the, the book of John in a long prayer that he records Jesus praying before his death when he says this, So my father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Christ has always been, no beginning, no end. 
The fourth concept is his incarnation. And what that means is God wrapping himself in human flesh. Now, Rick is going to talk more about this next week, but the fact that God became one of us has huge implications for what we know about God and his purposes. It is the reason that Christmas is celebrated by Christians as such good news. But let me just say this. The early church existed in the middle of two dominant cultures. One was the Jewish culture and the other one was the Greek culture. To the Jews, God's presence was so holy that they believed it existed in only one temple in Jerusalem and then even and it had to be hidden behind a massive curtain. And they believed if anyone saw a glimpse of God, they would die instantly. And the Greeks had this belief in a group of gods that lived in the sky. You probably remember some of the stories, Apollos, Zeus, Athena and many others. And they were so far above mortal beings that no one would have dreamed that they would stoop to become a mere weak mortal. The thought of God becoming human? Something totally mind-breaking would have had to have happened to open up that possibility. So I lead back to the reality of the resurrection again. To come back from the dead, that is not something that a mere mortal does. Fifthly, this scripture talks about God's revelation. In other words, God wanted to reveal himself, to make himself known. No one has ever seen God, but Christ, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God did not want to hide behind a curtain. He wanted to reveal himself. He wanted us to see him with our own eyes. He wanted us to know him, to love him, to worship him. Can you even imagine what our world would be like if God had not revealed himself in Jesus? Perhaps we would be stuck in pagan religious thinking, which is like the harvest is good this year. God is happy with us. Oh, the harvest failed this year with drought. God is unhappy with us. We need to make him happy by sacrificing something or someone precious to us. You don't even want to go there. The final thing that comes out in these scriptures from John is his ultimate purpose. What was the ultimate purpose of of Jesus coming? And that was to lead us to home. Why did he come? It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came to create family, to wake us up to the good creation that he's placed us in, to tell us that we are not atoms floating in a senseless universe, that we are known, that we are loved that we have a loving Father. No wonder, no wonder we sing joy to the world. The painted portrait that I wanted to share this week 
is this one. It is a picture of the cosmic Christ that has been painted in a Byzantine church, which is in the area around Turkey. You know, it's interesting that the Eastern Orthodox Church places a greater emphasis on the cosmic Christ who existed before all things and rules over all things, while our Western branch of Christianity has a greater emphasis on the human Jesus. Both are true. Both are needed. Now, here's this painting in its context in the church in which it's painted. You've got the mighty cosmic Christ over and above every other important saint. He's painted as the largest figure and at the top of the arch to indicate his authority and his power. It's in stark contrast to an image such as this one of gentle Jesus, very much the human being walking with us and understanding our deepest needs. If you're like me, you would agree that we need both of these truths. The cosmic Christ who flung the stars across the heavens and the gentle Jesus who walks and talks with us. So what does this portrait of the cosmic Christ tell us about God? Well, firstly, his power and authority authority is beyond our human imagination. Don't try to just put a human lens on the cosmic Christ. But secondly, he wants to be known. He wants to be found by us. One of my favourite verses in Jeremiah, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is the nature of God, not to play games with us and hide his affection and love. There is no limit to what God will do to draw us into his family. What a privilege it is to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Don't ever take that for granted. We are his body. We reveal Christ to the world. But what a responsibility we have to not keep this joy to ourselves. Now, let me finish by reading some other incredible words about the cosmic Christ from Paul's letter to the Colossians. As I read these, will you let God enlarge your picture of who Jesus Christ is? Remember, you are in good strong, powerful, loving, tender hands. We look at this sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. 
From beginning to end, he's there, towering high above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death his blood that poured down from the cross. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King.